Warrior Woman. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 132. Today, today I'm joined by one of my favorite humans, especially in this whole health, nutrition, stress, metabolic space. Today, my guest is Jeannie Rubin, who is one part East West Healing, aka the real food gangsters. I just feel so gangster when I say that. (laughs) Josh and Jeannie are pioneers. They're really leaders in restoring thyroid and metabolic function and have taken this whole like philosophy of food as medicine to the to the next level. They have over 20 years of research and experience, which means that they are pretty damn close to unlocking the secret to what defines a healthy, healing and sustainable diet, which is you, you. You're the secret, or more specifically, your ability to metabolize and process not only the food that you eat, but the environment that you live in into energy, your body's most basic and fundamental need. They're like energy nerds, which I love. Uh, This is Jeannie's fifth time on the podcast, I believe. Five times. And I wanted to put her in the hot seat and ask her all about hormones and progesterone and how we can control our hormones. I know some of you might think that that's an aggressive word, control, Uh, but, but I really like it. I like the word control. You could think of it as like balancing your hormones if you want, but I'm, I've named this episode how to control your hormones because that's what we've got to do. So here's what we chat about in our combo today. Stress. Love talking about stress. Jeannie loves talking about stress. We talk about stress. We talk about hormones and their roles in our body, how stress affects those hormones and our cycle. We chat about why Do we need to focus on nourishing the body and restoring minerals first before we supplement? The importance of owning your day and why Jeannie starts with breakfast. How to control your hormones. Why tracking and building awareness are key ways to understand, balance and control your hormones. Then we chat about progesterone, the big P. There's so much pressure on progesterone. So we talk about that, its role, why it might be low, how to boost it naturally, you know, when to supplement progesterone, when is it indicated and what should we use and how should we use it? So Jeannie talks about how she uses progesterone in her work and the importance of a good GP, super key. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I love talking with her. I could have her on the podcast every week. We have such a great time. She's such a knowledgeable woman uh, and warrior woman. I really hope you enjoy this conversation on how to control your hormones with Jeannie Rubin. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years 
is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Absolutely. Even with the healing process, there's, you know, I hate saying it when people say, well, how long is it going to take? Like, well, it doesn't end. (laughs) You know, once you jump on, it doesn't end because you realize that it's a constant unfolding, you know, and the world is constantly changing and our phases of life are constantly changing. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, Probably the hardest thing for people is that once they get on or begin this journey, that they so badly just want an endpoint. They want to get home, <laughs> and and I think that is that's really hard to know that. Well, actually, yes, of course, we can come home. Like we can come back home into the body. We can learn more about ourselves. We can find more stability. We can heal, but we never really like, it's never like getting home or to to the end. Like you just said, it's this constant learning. The way I describe it for a lot of the women that I work with is, you know, you're on the journey, but one, it's not linear. (laughs) It's like this obsession we have with linearity and it just like once we're on, we just want to go like up. And I totally get it. Yeah. Especially when it comes to your training, you just want to be like, you know, I call it like the pit or the black hole that you find yourself in. And you just want to rise up out of that, like as fast and as far away (laughs) as possible. But then I think this, the non-linearity of it, that like the up and down, uh, I think we find that really, really hard. We do. It brings up those uncomfortable feelings. It it brings up the things that we're constantly trying to suppress, you know, and unfortunately, as you're healing and you're building more awareness and you're building more consciousness, um, yeah, it, it doesn't allow for that opportunity, but in those ups and downs, you get to build the tools, right? Like learning and, and practicing how to be in your body, learning and feeling what feels good with respect to nutrition and balance and frequency and rest. And where is where are your boundaries with extending yourself? You know what I mean? And where to say no and just finding that blue, that beautiful fluidity between it all, but also realizing that we are going to hiccup. We're going to have spaces that just aren't going to flow the way we want them to flow, but we have the, also the awareness and the opportunity and that information coming back at us that says, okay, tomorrow I can, I can just start, I can just do this differently. I don't even have to wait until tomorrow. I can right now, I can make a shift to say, what do I need? And that's a constant question that we're always having people explore is stop, right? The overwhelm sets in, stop, pause. What do I need? And then we move on, right? And, and we acknowledge what that need is and we respond appropriately to it, right? And that's, it's, it's yeah, 
it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a constant, it's a lot of work. And sometimes we just need to put it on pause and other times we're in it and sometimes we're flowing with it. And sometimes we're like eh, on, off. <laughs> it's so many different ways, so many different things, but yes. Yeah. It's always an opportunity to learn. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think when you're down in those lows and everything feels like, super hard and it's overwhelming and like you're in that pit I believe that's where you build your capacity and that's where you truly learn like about yourself and about what's not working and you know if you can like you said pause and really like ask yourself the question of like okay like what do I need like what's not working what's going on here while I'm in the pit and then Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's where, well, that's where I've learned the most about myself is like in the bottom of the, of the pit or the black black Right. (laughs) It's exactly right. It's kind of like we have to get to that place to be able to change it, right? And to feel it and to experience it and say, hey, you know what, this really doesn't feel very good to me. So what can I do differently that's going to, that is going to feel good. And it's that one little step. I was just telling a client this yesterday, you know, it's, it's taking one bite, one bite of what you can do. Like if it's just getting up and what do I want right now? Do I, do I feel like I'm hungry? Do I not feel like I'm hungry? Just starting there and doing that consistently, right? And then the next step might be, well, what's coming up for me tomorrow? You know what I mean? And just working with that, but not feeling like, because those little pieces step-by-step step, are going to add up to something so much bigger in the end. Right. But I think there is, again, just within the whole healing process, that overwhelm of life. Yeah. And where we're supposed to be doing and, and how fast we should get there and all that stuff that, you know, associated with it. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> yes. Which brings us to hormones, right? Yes. Which brings us to hormones, which I'd love to talk to you about that today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to talk about hormones. You know, they're, they're fun. (laughs) Correlating to everything that we just talked about, right? It's kind of like everything we think, everything we feel, everything we eat, everything we breathe, every part of our bodies influence how our hormones are regulating, right? And our hormones, you know, essentially coordinate and enable every aspect of our our metabolism and are, you know, similar to a computer software. If it's not functioning, the whole system's going to be down, right? So they're important, but I don't think that we realize how much in control of them we truly are, right? And that's what I really hope that this conversation kind of brings to light is that opportunity for women to say, Hey, wait a second. There's a lot of different parts and pieces here that I can work with. And a lot of what we were just talking about, right. Is that constant observation of what's working, what isn't working and how do I begin to tone down some of that noise? Because essentially those chronic stressors are going to alter our ability to regulate our hormones, (laughs) right. And our hormones are made up, uh, you know, they include, Um, uh, the endocrine system, right? Which is your, it's insulin, it's thyroid hormone, it's your adrenal hormones, it's your sex hormones, and they're all working in cahoots with one another. You can't just work with one or the other, which I think is kind of what our culture is trying to do. 
is trying to fix this or fix that instead of looking at the bigger picture and what's driving those hormones, right? Yeah. Um, so where should we start? Where oh, do you no. want to start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. I think right there, you know, yeah. in that, um, that our, our bodies are in constant response. Our hormones are in constant response to our internal environments, our, our internal environments, our circumstances, our food, our sleep, our stress, our chemicals, our movement, they're in response to everything, right? And when we, when we think about it, it's kind of like we have building hormones and we have using hormones, right? And if we're talking about some of our, or let's talk about major versus minor hormones, first of all, because you know, some of your major survival hormones that most people are going to be familiar with are going to be your, your adrenaline, your noradrenaline, your cortisol, your insulin, right? Without these, we would not survive very long. We wouldn't get very far, right? But then we have our less essential hormones, let's just say, such as your thyroid, your DHEA, your testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, which play more of a minor role in that whole system we can get away with it. We don't have, we, we can get away with living, right? We can get away with life, but we're not going to get away with it very well. And mm -hmm. I think that that is, let me see. Yeah. I think that, you know, with some of your, your major, you're not going to get along very far with your mind. You can still get along with life, but you're not going to be thriving. Right. And that's what we want to do is we want to begin to coordinate all of those and look at, well, how do some of these less important hormones are affected by some of these bigger hormones? And we're always going to come back to stress in that way, because stress is a, is, is a process of catabolism. It's a process of breaking down. And when we're breaking down, it makes it really hard to produce a lot of those minor less essential hormones, let's just say, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And this is where, when we're in the fight for our life, procreation is no longer that much of an, of an importance, right? Our body is, you know, when we look at progesterone, it's a precursor to cortisol. So when we're in that state, the body's going to prioritize always survival. And that's where we can begin to see a decline in some of those hormones, right? So it's, it's, it's that simple. <laughs> That's what creates the imbalances is when we're unable to produce them. And when we're locked in those states of stress, not only are we altering the communication in, in what's called the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroid axis, it also communicates with the gonads, right? And again, that production of hormones and fertility and reproduction and so on and so forth. Um, I lost my thought on that. Yeah, I think I'd love to, you know, I think that's really helpful. Like the, like the kind of the key players on the field, which mm -hmm. keeps, keep us alive essentially. And yes. then we have, well, kind of like the backup dancers, you know, maybe we have the Beyonce on the stage, which is like, you know, our cortisol, our adrenaline. And, and then we have these backup dancers still really important. Yeah. To put on a really good show uh, yes. and to keep things like functioning. Now, when we're experiencing stress, and I guess in that, you know, we have like physical stress, mental, emotional stress, you know, we can view it as a whole umbrella, like with so many prongs that actually create the stress. What's happening to like those backup dancers? What's actually happening to 
our cycle and some of those those backup hormones so coming back to what i was what i was saying is that when we're in that state we are using up reserves we're using up minerals we're using up resources right and when we're in that chronic state of catabolism we can't build them back up because we know that when that system is down it is going to suppress the thyroid it is going to suppress the digestion so no amount of food supplementation is going to help support the rebuilding of that right we're still not sleeping we're over exercising over you know, over just doing life in general, we're being exposed to high amounts of chemicals, that building is constantly on the go, and we're just having a very hard time building them back up, right? And when we look at, again, that system of survival, the body doesn't understand whether you're missing a meal or you're being held up by gunpoint. It is going to respond the same way, right? Or if you're not sleeping or there's another trauma similar to what I just expressed happening, it doesn't differentiate. There's one reaction, right? So when we even think about that and progesterone actually being more of a using hormone because of its place on the pathway to cortisol, right? So it's going to become heavily depleted. So when you speak of women going into amenorrhea, that is a, that is a almost 99.9% .9 of the time what's taking place is the system is in that chronic state and that progesterone is being pushed aside for the production of that cortisol to compensate for that state that the body's in. Right. So that's essentially what's happening in that breakdown. Now, aging and stress do parallel one another. We naturally decline in our ability to be able to produce hormones. But when you combat, when you um, compound that, I'm sorry, with that chronic stress, well, now you're getting double whammied. Right. So when these women are hitting 35, 40, and we're seeing it so much younger now, these women going into early perimenopause, you know, premenopause, menopause much earlier because of this lack of hormones going in. And then when they actually do go in, it's like, boom, the body's just going absolutely nuts because we, when we don't have those hormones, we are going into metabolic breakdown and metabolic breakdown over time is going to lead to degenerative disease, degenerative diseases like we're seeing today. Right. So that's essentially what's taking place is the body's compensating and we're not able to replenish. A, because we're not eating enough. <laughs> we're not eating the right types of foods that help us regulate and sustain that stability that we need when those hormones are in such constant flux, right? Yeah, I think, you know, from what I'm seeing in my work, and you know, you could probably speak to this, uh, women, you know, they, they, they come on the healing journey, you know, they find, um, this way of eating, like the pro-metabolic space that now has flourished, you know, in the last like five or six years. And, you know, they start to feel like a little better in some of their markers, but they're around this age, you know, they're in their forties now. And what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is almost like this little obsession with progesterone. And they, they, they carry this story around being, really deficient in progesterone and like how do I get my progesterone up and you know how do I support progesterone and and I'd love to go into what we just spoke about so I think the understanding is really important in you know in anything the understanding of our physiology of the pathway of of the the two hormones and then moving into for me I see it 
um, a couple of different ways. I see like the healing journey of eating enough and, and managing our stress. And I'd love to get into how you support the women that you work with mm-hmm. through that to support um, you know, their hormones to support their cycles uh, mm-hmm. and to support their progesterone. And then I'd also love to explore the other side of it. If a female or a woman has done some of the groundwork, you know, uh, rebuilt some of the foundation, is consistent with her food, is really looking at managing her stress, but is still really struggling, like really struggling with energy, maybe really struggling with hormones or weight. I'd love to dig into that side of like how you go about trying to piece together like the puzzle like what does that look Mm -hmm. like so for me I see two different kind of journeys we can go on together how does that feel for you sure yeah that feels great yeah I think I think that there's you know when someone says I am not producing hormones right my cycles are wonky I you know I'm low progesterone I don't know why everybody's so focused on progesterone it was estrogen now it's progesterone um, I think it's because it is kind of pegged as a calming and quieting hormone and everybody just wants a little bit more calm and quiet. <laughs> if we just get that progesterone where it needs to be, we're going to feel better, right? We're going to sleep better. All of those, we're not going to have that kind of that, you know, there's such a, a negative context to the, to estrogen, but it's such a powerful building hormone, right? Like we need it. It's so, it's so important. Um, I'm just absolutely pissing myself laughing because like (laughs) that would be the story of like, I'm low, I must be low in progesterone and I just need to feel more calm. (laughs) (laughs) What else is going on in your life? Maybe that put it all on progesterone. (laughs) But I, and I think that's really the bigger conversation is all you're telling me is that you're severely depleted and chronically stuck in a state of stress. Right. But there's, and like you said, there's this umbrella of what stress is. And I think that that's the most important thing, because I think that we have been led too far away from our intuitive selves of what is right and what is wrong in our lives. Right. Or, and, or we are, we've become so shut down in this culture, because that's what it teaches us to do. It's like, we're so on social media and we're seeing what everybody else is doing it. Oh, she's got ripped abs or arms and I want that. And I can't get that. And there's something wrong with me and so on and so forth, but not really embodying the whole story. I'm going to start at the story because that's where it always leads to in the end anyway, right? It's like, we can have a million conversations, but let's be real. Where do you come from? Where do I come from? Because that's where we really need to begin the conversation, right? And the food, you know, our food can help us build regulation. It's going to help us to do that. And in that regulation, it's going to help us begin to replenish. Now we're going to be able to get those sources, those minerals to, to create those catalytic enzymatic reactions in the body that help us produce those hormones. Right. Mm -hmm. But we got to, we got to shut that fire down first. And in that process of, okay, well, I could eat now, how the hell do I plan for that eating? 
right? How the hell do I grocery shop? I am sick of doing dishes. I am sick of cooking. I am sick of being in the kitchen. This takes too much damn work, right? So we go one piece at a time. And what I do with my clients is it's literally, what are three meals that you love for breakfast? Because in my opinion, when a woman is in this state, the most important thing for her is to get it on paper and slow everything down to the best of her ability, right? And that means for moms of four, you know, multiple children, even one child like myself, I have to have everything written down. It is how I begin my day. This is what is on the agenda. This is absolute priorities on the agenda. This is where I am. And now I'm going to delegate. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to reorganize. I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to take care of me first, because I am no good to anybody else if I don't do that. Right. And then I'm going to, again, have an idea why I make them write this down. And they get so irritated with me because it's like, why do I have to take these silly steps? Just tell me what I should be eating, right? Just tell me what I should be doing. But no, because you're not going to, you might not enjoy what I want to tell you to eat, but tell me what you love to eat. And then I'm going to help you balance that, right? I'm going to give you some modifications to really elevate that meal nutritionally. So now you have a grocery shopping list for at least the start of your day, right? So now we don't have to think about it. We've got it all. We don't have to think. And this keeping everything up here makes it, it makes it very hard for us to get into our bodies, which is when we're working with hormones, the most important place to be, right? We're working in any healing level is the most important place to be. But because those hormones are so in control of the healing process, that's where the money is, right? So taking those active steps and something that simple, just getting your mind organized because now you can begin to enter the day with what you need and essentially buy yourself a little bit of time, right? But these are the steps that I go through with my women to help them coordinate a rhythm and a fluidity. And we build from one meal to the next meal to the next meal. And I focus my energy on that wake to noontime always first, because that is where most women are so extremely dysregulated coming into the day, right? And if we can nail that, the rest of the day just kind of takes care of itself. But that's how I find most women really begin to take hold of this, but they begin to see, well, why am I not able to get this food on my plate? What is interrupting that? So then we can work with that one little issue and say, okay, well, where are your grocery shopping days? What is on, are you buying the things that you need to accomplish that goal? And are you going to the store and ordering and getting these things enough times throughout the week so that you're not running out, right? You have those tools. Um, <clears throat> but I think that that's a, coming into the day is such an important process for everybody because it dictates how the rest of the day is going to go, to flow, right? So I concentrate my efforts in that area and that space first and foremost. And then we talk about movement. We talk about work. We talk about the impacts of emotions. We get to start to see the patterns of, you know, I sometimes I'll receive food logs from my clients and it's like, I'm rushing to eat breakfast. I'm rushing out the door. I'm rushing to an appointment. I'm rushing. I, you know, I'm completely taxed for the whole day. I feel like shit. This is happening in one day of a food log, 
right? Rush, 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 rush. So if I don't stop that rush and I don't help that client stop that rush, we're never going to get where we want to go, right? And it doesn't mean that life is going to stop being busy because life is busy. It just means that we have to be more aware of what's coming, especially when we have multiple children or children at all that we're having to manage as well, right? So there's so many variables there. Okay. I don't know if. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes. I did a, a podcast. She's a dear friend of mine, but she's a psychologist and she just did her PhD on mental labor. And so yes. she was, yeah, she was focusing on families uh, uh, who had <clears throat> children under 13 and heterosexual couples. That's what she was just studying uh, this time. And this is a very new idea, a very new concept of this idea of the mental load that we carry. And uh, she focused mostly on women, on, on mums. But of course, if there is, you know, a single parent family and there is a, like a, a dad there, you know, they can carry a lot of the mental load or the mental labor. But what you were just describing around, get it out of your head. You know, you need to put it down on paper. I'm sure yourself and Josh have conversations about, you know, what you have to do in your business and with Harrison and like the, the mental load that we can carry, it is fatiguing. I, I think, you know, when I first heard her talk about it, I was like, that's like, this is like a piece If women can understand the mental labor that they go through for their families, for their kids, for dinner, for, for cooking. For Already all thinking about it, right? <laughs> Already thinking about what's on the menu for dinner. It's, yes. it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. You know what I mean? And maybe that's late. I don't know. <laughs> yes. But it is a constant. And I really, I, I, I totally agree with you. And the more we can write things down and journal and spend time with ourselves and reflect on, you know, some of what I mentioned in starting the day that can happen at night or it can happen in the morning, wherever there's space, it can happen midday if that's what works for you. But also even just sitting in moments of reflection of like, how was today? You know, what worked and what didn't work and how can we, what needs to be adjusted in order to do this differently the next time it happens, right? Or going into the next day, what's one thing I can do to get myself a little bit more prepared for doing that. But I don't want anyone to hear this and say that it all has to happen overnight because that's not how it works, right? When you're beginning to unravel and, and observe and, um, pull in that information in, and decide which pieces need to be worked with first, right? Whatever feels, and I always feel it's kind of what's ever on the table in that moment, what's on the plate in that moment is the one that we really need to be working with. Um, it takes time to build up new habits and behaviors. You know, it's something that Josh and I are always talking about in this, and if you want to heal, you have to build new habits and behaviors because all you're seeing right now is that the ways that you've learned to be in relationship with the world around you are no longer working for you. And what a gift for you to get to explore that, right? What a gift for you to get to explore that, that that whole story and the way that you've survived to this point doesn't have to be that way. And you're just getting this message that, hey, you can change this and you can take it or not take it. And some are going to take it and others are not going to. And that's OK. <laughs> We're all on our journey. But there's certainly loads of opportunity in there, you know, and yeah. 
And it's a good way to navigate the space. Like I said, what's ever on the plate. And that's kind of what's really eating at you. What's bugging you about what's like, what's the mental talk going on? Go there to explore where you begin because it'll be there. You'll know, you know? Yeah. Um, I also love the idea of like, you know, really owning the morning or like own the day, you know? And I always talk about in movement, like we, you know, we want to, we want to own the movement. Yeah. We want to spend time with the movement and with our body and learn about the movement and what did the movement teach us? And we want the quality of the movement and you know, we want to own that movement before we make it harder and more complex or like go to the sexy thing. And I think it's such a cool way to look at your life, like, you know, or even your morning, like own your breakfast. Yeah. Like yes. it doesn't matter about this, the progesterone supplement. If you can't <laughs> own your breakfast, like own exactly. your morning. Um, exactly. If you can't, yeah get in control of your day-to-day happenings that progest you know again it's it's going to follow suit the more you work with that the more online those hormones are going to become right the more regulated you're going to become because when you do provide that energy what are you doing and I'll, and I'll just speak to breakfast and because it's happening every time you fuel your body right is you're taking your body's experience of the day, which is typically in stress, right? We're we're in that building, we're in that breaking down. They're always in that space when we're moving through the day. Again, women with progesterone are showing us a metabolic imbalance, right? You can't have that level of, of hormone imbalance without having it affecting your ability to produce energy, which includes your minerals, your glucose, your thyroid, so many variables, right? So, when we are, when we bring the food in, we are providing the body, the energy that it needs. We're coming out of that fasting state. We're toning down those stress hormones and we're upregulating the thyroid, right? We're giving nutrients to that pathway again, if without thyroid hormone, without vitamin A, without B vitamins, without selenium, without all of these high level nutrients, we cannot convert that cholesterol into that pregnenolone, into those estradiols, testosterone, DHEAs, all of those hormones, progesterones, right? We can't do it. So until we've taken these steps, there's no point in supplementing till you get there, right? Until you have experienced that calming, when you've experienced that stability throughout the day. And that, and then again, you know, for most women in their forties, I don't care who you are, chances are eating things like yogurts, eating things like even, you know, even two eggs and a little bit of fruit for most women is not enough stability in the morning time, right? Yet we're having yogurt and fruit, or we're doing, you know, these, these little tiny cottage cheese and fruit or whatever it may be, or granola and fruit, you know, which is a whole nother conversation with respect to carbohydrates, (laughs) you know, but it's, it, that's, and we're putting these little sticks on the fire, 
when we need to, what we refer to as logs, we need those denser proteins, we need those roots, we need those fruits, we need those fibers to help our body slow down, right? Just like we're trying to do within our environment is how do we slow it all down and create that stabilizing effect in the system? And that's what we're doing with the hormones. And that's how we can control our hormones is by creating that stability. But what most women are doing is they're putting these little sticks on the fire. So they're coming out of this long fasting period. The fire is completely burned out. There's not, there's just ash, right? And then they're putting a little tiny twig on the fire and lighten it up, which is going to burn off like that, right? Because again, the hormones are working to stabilize. That is an energy demand. Our bodies are working. They're, they're building. They're in that, that, I'm sorry, that breakdown phase of get up and go cortisol. It's a breakdown hormone. It's a catabolic hormone, right? But that is in alignment with our circadian rhythms. That's when that hormone should be elevated. Um, but so we have to provide the energy in order to do that. And again, for most women in this phase, maintaining that energy, holding on to that energy is not easy. So when we're going, you know, long periods of time and we never, we always recommend people not exceed that four hour marker, right? Um, but how that looks for everybody is gonna be very different, but they need to put another log on the fire because that fire is gonna burn out, right? And for some people, it's gonna be three hours after breakfast. For some people too, it's all gonna depend upon the portion which you're capable of eating, your digestive function, your energy levels. There's so many variables at that as well, right? But that's kind of what we want women to do is really start eating these denser proteins as well as the smaller amounts of carbohydrates, because most women in this state cannot tolerate carbohydrates at all, right? I'm talking like tablespoons is, is the capacity for most women. And that's not true for everybody, but for most women at this phase of their life, that is going to be true, except if they're doing some intense training, right? there's always going to be that variable that's going to allow you to increase those carbohydrates, but also use that very strategically pre post-workout where they can be tolerated a little bit more and that body's a little more insulin sensitive. Yeah. Right? So when, what are you <clears throat> seeing? Like, what are you seeing in women if they can't tolerate um, like the carbohydrates or the load of the carbohydrates, how does that show up? Their symptoms are just, on fire. Their bodies are on fire. Their hair, they're losing hair. They're not sleeping. Their weight gain, it's all around the midsection. Their cycles are shortening. It's another stress to the system, right? It's just accelerating that process. <clears throat> so that's pretty much, we're just seeing systems getting extremely exacerbated as well as in, in, in uh, rapid weight gain. Yeah. So yes. is it like a thought, is it a, a thyroid like issue that you're seeing? Like, well, like most women, again, with these hormonal imbalances are um, insulin resistant. They become more insulin resistant, right? But there's also a component of hyperinsulinemia happening. <laughs> so the body is in a sense, overproducing or releasing excessive amounts of insulin where the body cannot break it down because it is insulin resistant, right? Which is causing another onflow of stress hormones to help break down and regulate the blood sugar, right? So we're seeing almost a, a high blood sugar versus low blood sugar in those situations, in those cases. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at, like you have subjective data that you're looking at. Do you look at 
in that case, do you look at labs? Do you look at like other, like more objective data when you're working with these women? Sometimes if necessary, we will, if we're, if we're seeing some extreme things, but oftentimes just in looking at their subject, like looking at their food logs, looking at how they're experiencing it, looking at the onset of the symptoms and the patterns in which they're experiencing them. Most often we can, we can regulate it through just making those modifications in their diet. Yeah. Right. Um, women come in and they have these markers already with high elevated A1Cs, high cholesterol, things like that, that will work with to obviously bring those normal, those levels back to norm. But we automatically know that that person might be taking in 10 to 15% carbohydrates versus somebody who's a little bit more well along their process, doesn't have those markers who can take in 25, 30% carbohydrates, right? So it's just all dependent upon where somebody is in their phase of the healing process. But that's, yeah. that's, you know, a huge thing that we're seeing with this conversation around metabolic eating. Yeah, this is really, this is really, really fascinating uh, mm. because it's kind of flourished, I guess, in the last five or six years. And a lot of women have found pro-metabolic and then just like hopped on, like hopped on the train. Literally. Literally like just jumped on and... And this, like, is this kind of what you're seeing this, like without a strategy and just going from, you know, restricting whole like macronutrients to then eating, you know, quite a lot of carbohydrate. Is this one of the kind of key problems that, that you're seeing that, that women? I think it is because when, again, when we're, when we're searching and we're seeking, it's because there's already an imbalance there. Right. And in that imbalance, again, the body is in, in, in a state of compensation. So it's in a state of stress. And when we're in that state of stress and we've been there for a long time, it's the equivalent of standing in the middle of Vietnam and taking on fire. Right. And everything is moving very quickly and everything is very disorganized. And there's a lot of chaos happening within the system. And then boom, we're just going to change everything like that. Right. That's the problem. That's the problem is we're forcing more on our bodies. We're not meeting ourselves where we are. We're not taking into consideration the chaos that's underlying. We just want to fix it. Right. And we're going to, and we're hearing all these great things. So we're just going to do what they're doing and we're going to fix it. And I think that that's the biggest misconception. That's the problem with the the idea of a diet. Right. And that's why I really don't like pro-metabolic eating to be considered a diet because it really is a strategy up against one's physiology to help it stabilize. Right. So I think that's hundred percent what's happening is there's mass chaos. And then we just throw more into the fire versus pulling back and saying, Hey, what am I doing? Let's see what I'm doing. Let's take a closer look at that. And let's see where maybe some of the inconsistencies are. Right. So a lot of people aren't eating breakfast. A lot of people are going five, six hours between breakfast and lunch, right? A lot of people are working out first thing in the morning without fueling their bodies. You know what I mean? And, and in the pro-metabolic world, there's a lot of conversation about those things. So, Hey, maybe I just start with having something a little lighter when I wake up in the morning. You know what I mean? Because pro-metabolic eating is recommending. And I, and I, and I know across the board, that's a conversation is eating within that first 30 minutes. Right. And it's not about force feeding yourself. It's what, what do I want? 
what feels good for me right now, what's really speaking to me and let me begin there. But I can also say that what you eat dictates your frequency. So if you're eating small portions, don't, don't expect that it's going to carry you three or four hours, especially in the first half of that day. For most women, I'll just lay it out for everybody. <clears throat> lay it out here, okay? Yeah, I love if it. You, <laughs> if you wake up with an appetite, you should be eating. I always refer to a Denny's breakfast, <laughs> right? The idea of that is you've got some dense proteins along with some lighter proteins like egg, right? So you've got a combination of a dense and a light, or maybe you do three eggs or something. I'm just going to give simple examples here. So if you're hungry, that's kind of what your body's asking for. It's asking for, let's say two eggs and a, and a sausage with a quarter cup of fruit and maybe a couple slices of potato. Boom. Right. You're good. If you're not having much of an appetite, then this is where a cup of yogurt with a little bit of fruit would be appropriate. A cup of broth with a little bit of fruit, some cottage cheese, even a smoothie, right? The difference is, is that lighter meal is going to buy you time. It's going to buy you 60 or 90 minutes. By that 60, 90 minutes, that's where those eggs and potatoes needs to come in, right? If you start with the eggs and potatoes, you've now bought yourself three hours, right? So Take one of one or the other, because that's why you're either waking up this way or you're waking up that way. It's a great way to start your day. If you are starting with that larger meal, chances are you're going to come at your next meal is going to be the same size meal, right? The only thing different with the lighter meal start is that it's just going to extend the time of where that second meal comes in, the first and second meal or second and third meal. <laughs> it's a little confusing, but I hope that that helps some people at least get their day started. Right. And if anybody listening really wants to break this down, our balancing the body budget is a great place to start in really understanding that relationship between the hormones and the metabolism, but also gives you some um, templates to work with, with respect to how are you waking up and how would that look maybe with your food frequency and the types of foods that you choose, right? I think it's a beautiful start point. Yeah. Where do they get that from? They can get that right at eastwesthealing.com up at the top. You'll see balancing the body budget. Yeah. Yeah. And then also on uh, Real Food Gangsters, do you have your link? We do have a link on Instagram as well. Yes. Yeah. I just know lots of all of us are spending a lot of time on Instagram. And so, yes, yes, if you're on Instagram and you're kind of listening to this at the same time, (laughs) you can actually go into, yeah, into Real Food Gangsters. gangsters. Yes. And click the link. And uh, can you just say what it's, what is it called again? Balancing the body budget. So we're talking a lot about withdrawals and deposits, right? And finding the balance between the two and how do we repay that debt And again, really breaks down a lot of the hormone conversation and how that really plays into recovering that state. And um, yeah, it's a great starting point. I feel like it's simple, but it's, it's really the work that we've done over the last 15 years. Like these are the steps you need to take. But you need to take step one and you need to marinate in it, right? You need to really explore it in your world and how it's going to look for you. But I think it's a powerful, a powerful beginning resource for people. 
Yeah, I like, um, I really like the, the concept of marinating in it. Uh, yes. The other day inside Warrior School, we were, t- we were talking about this idea of consumption, you know, how we love consumption. And uh, my business coach brought this up quite a few months ago. And he said that, you know, he's, he's, perspective on consumption has changed is like it's okay to consume we we kind of have this negative I guess relationship now with consumption because a lot of us over consume and a lot of women that we work with have have done that for years or decades of just consuming and consuming consuming but he kind of like flipped it and reframed it around you know find people that are are great leaders in their space and consume like consume from them but then you need time to actually marinate on it you need time to let it absorb into like your being and your life the problem is it's not so much the consumption because it's great to really learn and understand about your physiology and about food and you know all of this stuff that we should have been taught as young as young adolescents the problem is is that you're not allowing the marination to happen you're not allowing the awareness the the imprinting in your own body you're just like you just want to consume more but we need to yeah pause and marinate so I really love that you said that and if you download the guide like really stay on step one until you like own step one and you're marinated in it yeah (laughs) it's really true and I think you know speaking physiologically at all levels biochemically you know we are hardwired we are hardwired and it takes years of unraveling and and reprogramming this hardwiring that's taken place, right? So there's only more, there's so much to benefit in that marination to really help things settle and to find your way with it because how I do it and how you do it are gonna be very different because we have different lives, different circumstances, different experiences, you know? And I think that's another thing is, is really owning what works for you and figuring it out and spending the time doing that before moving on to the next thing. Because if you haven't got that ability to get your day started, you don't have the tools you need to nourish yourself. When you first get up in the morning, you don't have a grasp of what the day has ahead of you so that you can quiet that chaos and get some rhythm going on. You're going to be in that state chasing your tail for the rest of the day. And if any of you women or men want to know what that looks like, it means that you cannot satiate. You are constantly chasing after your hunger, right? You're hungry hour, hour, hour after hour. And that happens typically towards the latter part of the day. So if you're feeling that you're chasing your tail, you're chasing your hormones, you're chasing your blood sugar all day long, right? Yeah. Um, Okay. So we got the food piece and this is, you know, this is, can be months and months and months of work. Yeah. Would, would that be right? Of like figuring this stuff out, creating the strategy. And, and like we were speaking about, even before we started recording, like it never ends, you know, no. we don't just get the strategy. Like you're not just going to hand, I don't just hand the strategy. And like, that's, that's it. It's handing like principles or helping support women, but it really never ends. Does it? It doesn't end, but if you put the footwork in, you do the work in the beginning, all of that awareness that you develop because our bodies communicate, all of our bodies communicate very differently to, you know, to our own personal selves. 
you learn the communication, you learn the language of your body. And because we are who we are at the core of who we are, our experiences are always going to be what essentially guide us through this world, right? It, it shifts, it's adaptations, you know what I mean? But because in the process of taking the time and really getting to know and understand your body's language, you are building resiliency. And so each time you come up against these hard moments or whatever, you start to see yourself bounce back so much faster, right? So even though it is constant, it's not, it's not it, it, that initial time in it and spending time with yourself and building that awareness, it doesn't go away, right? It just doesn't go away. You have it there. You can't turn awareness off. Unless you, you know, I mean, it could happen, but it'd have to be a pretty significant trauma. And even then, if you're already in that conscious mind, you're even going to recover from that in a very different way, <laughs> right? Because there is more resiliency in the system. But I think that that's, um, that's the beauty of the journey is having the tools to be able to do that and to respond to yourself in the, in, in, in the right way. And I think that that's, we, you know, you and I've talked about it before is, is, oh, I see that I'm really struggling right now, right? I can hear my inner voice and the conflict going in there. I'm acknowledging, wow, this is really hard for me. And I'm seeing that there's some things that aren't working and I'm, and I'm responding to myself. And I think that that's one thing that is really lacking is we don't respond to ourselves, right? We don't see ourselves. We just keep on going. But in that process, if there becomes this self-parenting thing that begins to happen mm. and we really begin to come into our own, right? And we see that nervous system toning and that balance coming back in where we can go into stress and we can come out of it very, very successfully, right? Without it getting yeah. locked in the system, right? Yeah, I Was love that. I love that. That's important because if we've, if we've been through this kind of journey or we're, we're, we're like starting it, we view stress as bad. Like it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. It's essential. It's so necessary. Sorry. And it's not like bad. It's like our inability to be able to be able to manage it and, and respond to it. And so I love that you just said, you know, we build this foundation, we put in the work. Now it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. I was saying the other day to one of the women that I work with, the body is the boss, you know, the mind wants to be the boss, but the body leads us. And we mm -hmm. have this create such a friction inside of us because the mind wants to like, lead but but the body is telling us a different story and so this if we're not allowing and receiving and listening and letting the body lead that's where the friction gets created and if we actually just let the body lead it will take as long as it takes the body will tell you when you've got a strong foundation yep. and then you can have a stressful event. You know, you can train hard. You can do these things because you have that foundation and the body is better at managing and dealing with that, with that stress. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, that foundation coming back to the conversation of just hormones and, and that call, that whole, you know, fixation on progesterone, this is, this is the, the beginning work. You have to do this work. Right. And then you have your women who are already moving into menopause, right? Their, their hormones are down, or you have women who might 
benefit from a little bit of progesterone therapy. You know what I mean? There are those situations that come into play myself personally. I have had low hormones my entire life. You know what I mean? It's been a constant for me. That's how I do the work that I do. Um, I use progesterone therapy every single month. I have for a long time. It works for me. I use a little bit of estrogen therapy at different times of the month, but it's like minuscule because my body responds really aggressively to those therapies. But I wouldn't have known that had I not taken the journey and played with it and observed it. And that's how we work with women is first of all, we need to know what the levels are, right? So first we test and then we address what that looks like. So what's happening in a lot of cases today is that women are testing low progesterone and then with the ratio of estrogen progesterone is now what would appear to be an estrogen dominance, right? Where it isn't, it's a progesterone deficiency for all the reasons that we just spoke of, right? And then we kind of look at, well, is there something bigger underlying? Because as you get to know somebody and as you get to work with them and their food and their life and, you know, observing the patterns, you can see the emotional components, right? You can see that there's a story back here that's really driving the physiology. It's hardwired into this space where do they need manual therapy? Do they need yoga? Do they need more practices that are going to allow them to have a witness to help with that toning of that nervous system, right? To release some of that yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day. I said the tissues hold the issues, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, what kind of therapies do we need to be releasing and getting rid of the stuff that we're holding on to? Because again, progesterone therapy—if there's a lot of underlying stuff—is only going to go is only going to take you so far. And if that hard wiring is still in that sympathetic nervous system, it's going to be used in the body in the wrong way right? Now you're going to be pushing harder on that pathway towards cortisol. If that person isn't regulated enough to do that. Now, oftentimes with nutrition, we can get somebody in that space with the tools, the therapies and so on and so forth. Um, and we may see a huge shift in that alone, right? But then there are, again, coming back to progesterone therapy, there are people who can benefit from that therapy, from that second half of their cycle, right? So we would then look at the labs first a woman would want to test her, her hormones um, anywhere from day six or seven or even five to 10. I can't remember. Let me, let me double check. I did pull that up to have it here. Uh, so for, I'm sorry, to test progesterone. So I kind of want a combination, right? You're not going to be able to test estrogen at the latter part of the cycle. So we usually recommend like anywhere from day six, one test and then another test five to 10 days before they start their cycle, right? Those are the best times to get a gauge of what's happening in both estrogen and progesterone. I like to see that. It doesn't always have to happen that way. If you're just testing progesterone, you would just wait until the latter part of the cycle, the day five to 10 of the cycle starting to get a gauge on that. And then um, you can, you can see where they're at and start a little bit of therapy. You know, I would always recommend talking to your doctor about this, obviously, and doing the testing, blood testing specifically, because once you start their um, hormone supplementation, saliva testing is no longer going to be valid, 
right? So um, the blood tests allow you to get that baseline and then follow up on it, right? Some women may need to do additional testing every couple of months to see where their levels are, as well as to begin becoming more informed of when those levels might be off, whether it's too much or too little, right? But I typically, I don't recommend women dose above what the bioequivalent manner is, right? Which is typically mm -hmm. about, <clears throat> we produce about 25 to 30 milligrams a day of progesterone. Most women are being dosed at about 200 milligrams. Um, it's not wrong because the body's going to use some and it's going to get rid of some of it. I, you know, you're going to be able to metabolize some of it, not all of it. Um, but I always look at the types that they're being dosed with. Right. I, and I have found a lot of success using, um, Dr. John Lee has a great progesterol, um, biometrics, their, uh, progesterone, but, uh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's progest something. I'd have to get the name for you. Um, and then Ray Peets mm. progesterone progest E is also a really great resource that I have used. Again, I would still make sure you're going in for, you know, an annual pap, make sure there's nothing else wrong in the system. Speak to your doctor about your desire to go on these hormones. See if you can get the support from the doctor. Obviously you do want the bioidentical hormones. Um, but then with that conversation, with that testing, you are now more informed and get to make the decision for yourself. But I think that those need to be tested. If somebody has an underlying thyroid issue, obviously making sure thyroid levels are within norm um, and that they're not overdosed on their medication, that medication would need to be in the right place in order for additional hormone therapy to be of any use. Mm, I right? was just going to ask you that actually. I was <clears throat> going to ask you if you actually also look at thyroid and what it, what's the thyroid doing and, mm -hmm. and if they were on thyroid medication, does that impact um, progesterone and, and supplementing with progesterone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually have a client right now who's being dosed on two grains of thyroid medication, but is also on a slew of bioidenticals. And it's obvious you can start to see typically in, in these cases where we're talking supplementation, we've already worked through the foundational pieces and have those conversations around their thyroid, their thyroid is regulated. We're seeing that in the labs and now we're okay. We've got the green light to go forward with it. Right. Some, in some cases, once we regulate the thyroid, everything else regulates itself. Right. Um, so once, yeah, once we work on that axis, but oftentimes or not oftentimes and in other cases, some women will just need additional therapy. Yeah. And in that case, we, we go forward with many different options. Sometimes we'll just tell people to go through their doctor and this is what they're asking for, right? Are these, we want bioidentical and um, to be used in different, in, in the specific way, day either 12 or 14 through the end of your cycle, right? So, yeah, I think if, you know, you have an, if you can find an amazing doctor and, and be able to like really work with them on it and they're really open to, yeah, like using bioidentical hormones and really helping you support, you know, they, they get the foundation piece and they, you know, they get all the pieces to this whole journey. I think it's amazing to be able to lean on, yeah, a great practitioner, a great GP. Um, so then you can, like you said, do your labs and do your blood tests and then you're using them and you have to go and do your blood tests again. It can't be just like, yeah, now I've got this thing and like away we go. 
<laughs> yeah, no, you can't just keep taking it without <laughs> retesting and seeing where your levels are, because that's going to tell you, do you dose up? Do you dose down? Right. And I think that that's also a missing piece, because if you're, you're dosing in excess or you're not getting enough, we're still in the same place as we were before. Right. Yeah. So that follow up is really important. And there are ways that women can do it on their, I mean, I wouldn't say on their own, they need to have, to have some level of a practitioner guiding them. Um, but there are different lab companies that you can just go in like Ulta lab test. You can go in and order, um, a lab in your area and go in and have the lab run. So you can just keep up on that reoccurring testing versus having to go through your doctor each and every time. Yeah. yeah I feel like there is a really important space around really understanding testing, you know, mm-hmm. or, or obviously when you're working with a great doctor or, you know, you work with someone like yourself and Josh and, I think it's it's important to understand testing, like understand what mm-hmm. those numbers actually mean for you. Like that is you, it's your physiology, physiology. it's like your hormones. And so yeah. helping, having someone to help you understand that, I think is really important. Um, yeah, it, I mean, if you don't know how to read them, there's no point in you trying to do it yourself, right? But I also don't, uh, I don't recommend that women start therapy with based on symptoms. Yes. And again, before all the steps that we've discussed here in this conversation, I think it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Most women are not dosing properly if they're doing it on their own and you need somebody to be checking. I know with a lot of women who are working with their doctors, there's no follow-up, you know? So making sure that you're getting that follow-up and tracking what your hormones look like. And for women who are, really in that phase of the, you know, this phase of life where your hormones can be up one minute and down the next minute, it's going to prove a lot more challenging, but this is where everything we've talked about foundationally matters because the more stability you have in your system, the more stability you're going to have in your hormones, the more in control you're going to be. Right. And you're going to, you're going to catch those fluctuations and you're going to become much more aware of what they mean to you. Right. Like right now I'm definitely a phase of chronic stress and my hormones are a little bit lower than they should be. Right. For everybody, you know, I just had like five weeks of family here. (laughs) Imagine what that could mean (laughs) to somebody like myself. Um, (laughs) So Uh, You know, that's my cue to really right now is weak, lowered, like pull back on my workouts, more inner work versus outer work, more concentration in lighter proteins versus heavier proteins, just taking that burden off of my system a little bit. So there's, once you start to know what that feels like in your body, there's so much power at your fingertips, you know? And I also think that women understanding that this whole menopausal or perimenopausal, these fluctuations Um, the more we understand them, the less scary they are, right? The less scary they are. And the more we can just kind of roll with it and say, oh, you know what? Yeah, this is just my body letting me know that, Hey, I've got, I've got to pull back, calm things down, nurture myself a little bit more and we'll, we'll move on from here, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. We should finish there, I reckon. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. If like, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about around hormones or? 
I think that's a lot of it. I think it really just comes down to how we're caring for ourselves and um, really prioritizing ourselves and giving ourselves grace. My God, the grace. And that you are on a journey and everything that's coming in for you is information. And you can take that information and create power if you choose to. Yes. I love that. You can take that information and create power. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, that's, that's fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, so good. You can go in, um, you can go and rest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I hear my little one coming in right now. He's going to be bursting in here in 2.5 seconds. Yeah. But yes, I'm just going to go snuggle with him for a few minutes and oh. Take all that in. Yes. Beautiful. And rest. Have, are you going to rest for a few days or? For the next four days. After we have a call, we have our group, one of our group calls following this conversation. And um, once I get past that, it's going to be four days of just total downtime before yeah. we get back to work next week. Yeah. When's your uh, next group program starting? Our next group is starting September 7th. So again, um, the balancing the body budget is great for beginners, for people who have been in it and just need more guidance and how to do this whole thing. The um, RTN group coaching is another powerful program to consider. And same thing, you can look at that, uh, look that up on IG or um, at our website. Beautiful. Okay. And I'll pop all the info. Um, in the show notes okay Amazing. it was so nice to see you you too you too you take care thank you so much for having me yeah enjoy your four days off I'm gonna have three days off from oh. Friday yes I've been trying this thing this year where I take the last three days off of every month oh nice and how's that working yeah I really enjoy it yeah nice. yeah uh, it really I- just helps like just reset me and, and then I can go into the next month. Uh, yeah, just with, with energy. I really like it. So I'm going to go into my three days off. Yes. We've, we've, we've pulled back a lot on consultations this month, just so we can spend the time with Harrison and create mm-hmm. the space, but it's still, you know, a lot of emails, a lot of catching up, things like that. But it's been enough time. I was telling Josh, I'm like, I'm so excited to get back to work. Like, I'm so excited. You know, I can't wait. I'm like ready to go. And then this idea that he's going to be in school full days next year. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm in seven hours of uninterrupted time, Monday through Friday. (laughs) To all the women out there. She has time for you. She's going to have like 14 extra hours. (laughs) At least. I know it's going to be so amazing. So good talking with you. It's so good talking with you. Say hi to Josh for me. I will do that. I will do that. You take care. Bye. 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 Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, Please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, warrior woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.